Good morning, everybody, and welcome to an exciting day on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. We've got streams upon streams upon streams, and it's also the last day for work for a lot of folks before the Christmas holiday. So if you are celebrating this weekend, Merry Christmas. If you're not, I hope you at least get a little bit of time off from your employers. But for today, we've got a really exciting topic to talk about because, well, everybody has asked me questions on it, and it's a little less exciting than those questions have suggested. So we're going to talk about Anna de Armas. We're going to talk about the Beatles. We're going to talk about yesterday. And yes, that's all one topic. Uh, and we're going to have fun doing it. Later on in the day, we've got an 11 a.m. stream scheduled. So it's 7.30 a.m. right now uh, here in the Eastern time zone. So a few hours from now, we are going to be going over the Microsoft response to the Federal Trade Commission. Those responses were owed within 14 days of when the Trade Commission elected to sue or bring an adjudicative action, but we like sue because it is something that people can understand, and it really is a lawsuit in all but name. And Activision also responded with a little bit of that zest that we saw them respond to the state of California with originally when they got into those troubles about, well, the claims that were made about how they were running their operations. So we've got stream upon stream. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I have no idea how long that later morning stream is going to go. We have 70 pages of legal documents to review. We've got more. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going on break, so I think there'll be some questions. So I'm excited about this. We've got a lot of fun to be had. We're going to try to keep my voice working. It's a lot stronger than it was to start this week. Uh, I have been trying to rest it as much as anyone can rest while also locking in deals and doing other things that have to be done by the end of the year as well. But I'm pumped about this. I'm excited to see you all. I'm also going to tell you we've got snow we've got the the winter storm is here in southeast michigan so with a little luck everything will be fine uh it didn't look like it was as heavy as some might have feared yet uh, it is blowing around all over the place but if i do lose power i don't know we'll see if i can call in on my phone or something but other than that how are you doing where are you hanging out from are you excited about this weekend or next week or further on you got good plans you're looking forward to this topic and you already have thoughts on this let me know. Let's chat. Let's hang out. It's casual Friday. I'm not so worried about hitting times or making sure we cover each and every little bit of this particular story, because I think there's some major things we can hit uh, to help explain it to you and, and help get better information out there than some of the places you may have seen reporting on this. Uh, so let me know. Uh, how are you doing? Are you experiencing the, the storm right now? Uh, good morning from Wakefield, Massachusetts, says Spetty Ross. Hey there, Spetty. Uh, Drugal, so Microsoft is going to fight. Probably not what the FTC wanted. Mm. So they had to they had to file an answer within 14 days. You're always going to file that, even if you're going to drop out of the deal. Because if you don't, then it's going to be a default ruling against you. So this isn't actually the indication that they're going to fight. I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll mention that. I'll try to remember to mention that uh, on the uh, on the longer form stream that we do on Microsoft Times Activision today, because it is uh, it is basically what they had to do. They had to do. The, the FTC filed, I think, on the 8th. They basically had to answer by yesterday, and they did. Now, they answered really late at night. Uh, and so I saw it come in, and then I put up the, the placeholder for the stream later today. Uh, but uh, they had to answer. So we, we don't know quite where things are going to go just yet. Uh, goodness, 70 pages. Well, fortunately, we have 35 pages from each, Microsoft and Activision. And when you're talking about answers and defenses documents, a lot of them are just going to say, we deny everything that you asserted in this paragraph or what you said was just an assertion. We don't even have to answer this. And so a, a number of those we're going to be able to skip. It's not 
as bad as 70 pages makes it sound. So don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Uh, we're going to have fun. I'm excited. Katie asks, how were the cookies? Cookies were delicious. How did how did you know Mrs. Hoglaw made me cookies? Hmm. I assume she put it on social media somewhere. Oh, my goodness. All right, folks. This is just a person saying hug. Hug. How you doing, Mark? Hug. Uh, it's 4 a.m. here, says Icarus for Scissors. I've got insomnia. I'm sorry to hear it, but I'm glad we've got some content for you. As long as you're going to be up, we might as well have a fun conversation on a fun casual Friday hangouts and headlines, right? So let's do that. I'm very sorry you can't sleep. I know the feeling. It's been that kind of week for me as well. Um, so at least maybe I can I can turn it down a little bit and we can have a, a restful stream. We'll see. I, I don't know that I can turn it down today. Uh, Lovely says, hello, Mr. Hoke. I'm off today and got up early to spend the morning with you and the crew. I caught the replay of the Thabto stream and it was fantastic. Well, thank you, Lovely. I love that stream. If you didn't see it, it's four and a half hours long. You can take it in little bits and bursts. Uh, but me and my brother and a lot of Ian Runkle come in to talk about video games. I actually have a clip uh, that I'm going to put up uh, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow uh, of uh, the discussion around my number one game. And, uh, you know, Mr. Ian trying to trying to be a Grinch on uh, on Christmas. So we'll we'll see. Uh, I love it. It uh, is from Chinchilla of Evidence. We've talked about uh, their work. They do a great job. Uh, and so that uh, that clip is available and will be going up in the short term. Uh, so we'll have that to go with that tab toe as well. I'm glad you got up. You got up for us on a on a day off of work. You got up in the morning to hang out. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. it makes me feel good. We're going to have a lot of fun today. It's just going to be an exciting, positive, fun day. And uh, I don't know. I think I, I needed that at the end of the week. I, I think a lot of people need that. Uh, and hopefully we can usher in the, the, the holiday season here for a lot of folks in a, in a fantastic way. Good morning, Hogue, and chat from California. Now, the good news from this particular chatter is that I think they're a little less cold than we are here. The bad news is it's 4.30 in the morning there. Thank you for getting up with us. I uh, I don't think I could do this show at 4.30 in the morning, so more power to you. While I was talking, co-counsel brought in some tea, so that is awesome. <laughs> uh, enjoy that warm weather a little extra for us. Jamil says, what's up, Hogue? I don't want to jinxy. I don't think you can jinx me. We're having fun today. Uh, so don't, we, we should be able to keep power, I think. I You don't know. These things are outside our control. Uh, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, <laughs> Icarus, no, please don't turn it down. I'm a very auditory person. I enjoy the voices of everyone in the legal sphere. Oh, I, I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, the, the, the trickiest part here is that uh, sometimes I talk loudly. Sometimes I talk softly. And working with the microphones to try to make sure those levels are even, you know, without a producer sitting over here, I can't just pretend, hey, producer, can you take care of that? That's not, uh, I can't do that. There's nobody over here talking to no one in this area. Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. Did anybody have any cool vacation plans, Christmas plans, holiday plans in general, doing anything for New Year's, going to the Michigan game? I'm not <laughs> going to watch it on TV. Uh, but let me know. I, I'd love to hear from everybody. I don't know how many hangouts and headlines we're going to do next week, candidly, because I am going to try to take as much family time as possible. And if I'm doing that and I'm not otherwise working, I might not get up. Uh, so you all do already having a day off and getting up with me. I feel guilty in advance of next week and doing these hangouts and headline shows. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I'll still be doing some videos next week, but it might be a little bit lower volume uh, than it has been in the past. 
Sardism says, I found a weather YouTuber who said to be more worried about the cold than the snow. He had a very interesting analysis from Broke It Down Well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are interested in the weather on this stuff. Uh, I haven't had the time to really worry about it so much other than just locking in on my office. I've got a bunch of things that need to get done on the law side. I got a bunch of streams. My wrapping isn't done. So, yeah, we're a little bit behind on some of that stuff, but it's going to be it's going to be a great time. Pumped about it. Pumped about sharing it with you guys. I'm excited about this stream. I'm excited about this topic because Man, I was upset about some of the ways that it was being treated online yesterday. If you follow me on Twitter, at Hoglaw, sometimes you can get me into a space or you can see me operating in a space where I'm just upset at the way things are being reported. Uh, and this was a story that you can actually see a tweet from me saying, well, I mean, this is important. We could talk about it. I might do a video, but it's also not. It's also not going to change the way in which trailers are made. And you're not going to have people suing over XYZ in a trailer because even though you might have heard that this is some significant, important finding, it's not quite there yet. Does it does it allow for the possibility of a significant finding? It does. Uh, but it's not it's not that finding that people seem to always want to jump the gun on for legal decisions. Right. People want to say, oh, this finding. Right. This thing, as reported on by Variety, is going to lead to people being really worried about what they put in trailers. On the margins, there are going to be people that are at least going to be aware of all this happening behind the scenes. But overall, no, no, we're going to we're going to talk about what this decision actually meant. We're going to get there. I promise. Promise. Uh, but uh, all right. What else is happening here in chat? We got anything happening? Co-counsel's talking to everybody. We got people in my in my boat. Their wrapping isn't done either. Yeah, it's only the 23rd of December, right? Hogue holiday wrap. Is it like the DK rap? DK, Donkey Kong. No? DK, Donkey Kong is here. That's about my level of rapping, I think. <laughs> Good morning, all. We lost power three times already just this morning, and it's only just after 7.30. I am really sorry about that, Caitlin. I hope it continues to come back on for you and that you don't have a long-term power event, because that's terrible in the winter. I know it. I know it. Good morning from a chilly Tucson. 38 degrees, but expected high of 68. Stay warm, everyone. That is chilly for Tucson. I think that would be balmy here. I'd crack open the shorts. Maybe not at 38, but as it warmed up throughout the day. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see the whole country deal with uh, this, this massive snow event. By comparison, LC says it's negative 25 where I'm at. That's without wind chill. Yeah. yeah we got a wild disparateness in our weather patterns around the country. So we got a lot of people experiencing different things here this morning. Uh, oh, good morning, Hoglaw. Waking up with coffee and minus six degrees, says Twitterpated. Like Twitterpated. It's from Bambi, right? Uh, minus six degrees in the middle of December. Middle of December usually isn't this bad. It's only been winter for a few days. Just our luck, I suppose. Uh, been up since 3 a.m. because we couldn't just lose power. It had to flicker on and off for a good five to 10 minutes. The alarm you can't stop. Oh, boy. I am so sorry to hear that, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I, I fortunately didn't have that happen, or else I'd really be in a place for these streams this morning. Uh, but I'm glad you're here with us, uh, and uh, I hope that you find places to get rest uh, if that is available to you today and, and throughout the weekend. Talia says, and thank you for the super chat, Talia. I really appreciate the support of the channel. Good morning from windy, wintry Wisconsin. 
day trip to the Twin Cities to see family just got pushed to tomorrow. So I'm using paid time off, uh, working AM, PM off uh, today. Happy Christmas. Stay warm and safe. Oh, oh well, at least you have a plan. Uh, you, can, uh, you can get a little work done. Make sure it's off your plate on the, on the return trip. Sorry your family outing got pushed a little bit. Hopefully it's fine tomorrow. Uh, but I'm glad that you have that flexibility. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, and everybody that's out there in the snow with power out or traveling or pushing travel, I hope you stay very, very safe. Uh, I wish the best for you on those travel days because I know that they are tough. Uh, and I know everybody in the country is dealing with a lot of push travel, move travel, people getting in front of things, traveling behind things. Uh, and so I, I wish you the best. I feel very blessed that I, I don't actually have to move, uh, that the the hogs for the most part are coming to me uh, on this uh, so if you are traveling, stay safe out there. Absolutely. We're getting other reports from across the world. It's warm in Helsinki uh, and rain has melted most of the snow. I like the quotes around warm. What is Helsinki warm? It's warm enough for rain. 30s, 40s. I'm curious about this. Kelly Clancy says, good morning from South Carolina. Well, good morning, South Carolina. I hope you're Doing a little bit better than some of the middle portions of the country in terms of weather. I, I think it's still pretty cold around various places, uh, but uh, hopefully it's okay. 44 degrees Fahrenheit, but it's not. But it's going down, not up. It's like uh, being at the top of the roller coaster, right? You're pretty safe up there on the on the top of the hill, but you can see you can see where you're going. Maybe you sit at the back of the roller coaster. Are you a front roller coaster person or a back roller coaster person, chat? I'm always curious about this, or you're just not roller coasters at all. Uh, where I'm at in the Great Plains region, smart people know to stay home. Yeah, if you can, if you have that flexibility, I always feel bad for the people that just functionally don't. Uh, but yeah, if you if you can stay home in a lot of places around the country, do that. Try to take that option if you can, because I, blowing snow is just, uh, well, it's it's a word that we don't use very often here in the Hoglaw YouTube channel, in virtual legality, in Hangouts and Headlines. It's just It's just not very nice. Not very nice now, is it? Back roller coaster person says poisonous paradox. Got to get in the back. Want to see the people going over the edge before you're dragged along with them. It's a good experience. No to roller coaster says midnight dreary. I don't like the front. I don't like the back. I don't like the middle. I don't even like watching them. Says midnight dreary. Sure. Pouring rain in New Hampshire. High winds. Not a roller coaster person. Oh, there's a couple of no roller coaster votes here. Interesting. Interesting. Mrs. Hoglaw wants the front. She wants to see what's coming and dangle over the side of the roller coaster until the back can catch up and send them going. I wonder why that is. We have to dig into the psychology here. Perhaps my wife thinks that she has to deal with less of the hill because she's already used, quote unquote, some of the hill as she's hanging over it, waiting for the back of the roller coaster. Don't know. I don't know the thinking here. I'll have to ask her. Front roller coaster person for Christy. Got stuck once on the mountain ride at Canada's Wonderland. I used to go to Canada. Young Hogue used to go to Canada's Wonderland with his family. They were training and the kid couldn't stop us at the right part. Went around three times. <laughs> Honestly, that, that story is a bit frightening. That it depends on a worker to stop the roller coaster. I think I want most of these roles automated. Uh, cause I don't, I don't necessarily trust the young workers doing their best working, 
at these places to uh, to protect me on on these kinds of things. Maybe I'll become a no roller coaster person just from that story, Krista. <laughs> Christy, sorry. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's also warm in Lithuania, just two degrees centigrade, 35 Fahrenheit, but it was minus 11 uh, centigrade last week. So cool. Uh, fantastic, guys. Uh, I love hearing this. <laughs> Front roller coaster person. I'm with the no roller coaster people. Is Hogue coming this morning or is my internet messed up? Deidre, uh, refresh, but you can't hear me tell you to refresh. So I'm here. I've been here for 17 minutes. <laughs> Front roller coaster. Uh, how scary to get stuck on the roller coaster. Yep, exactly. That's a lot of pressure for a park employee. I agree. It's a lot of trust for the non-park employees. Roller coasters are great. Back is best. You get the full effect of the G-forces. I like it. I like I, I like to discuss G-forces because it reminds me of um, uh, you know astronaut movies and or like Top Gun. So, yeah, G-forces. Uh, you know, some of those, I like roller coasters quite a bit. I, I live close to Cedar Point. And, uh, uh, well, I still don't like some of the roller coasters as they get more modernized. I don't like to be launched very much. I don't like uh, some of the, like, just raw speed ones that are just on a line and, like, try to send you back as fast as possible. I like a little curve. I like... Uh, I like the, the wooden structures a little bit more and Rob and I could get along with the way I prefer my roller coasters to look, uh, but, uh, they can be a good time. Uh, Hill CT impressed the East coast rain and not snow. The leather forecast slide. That sounds like Ian's category. Yes. Uh, in the leather forecast today, we have a plague doctor's mask we're working on. Uh, no weather forecasts, weather is like economics. You're always right. Eventually prognostication is not a skill that the human race has really mastered. We like to think we have in certain important respects like economics and weather. Uh, and while we can kind of get into ranges of things, we knew a cold front was coming. We knew it would be a potentially bad uh, weekend for a lot of things. They didn't know exactly where it would hit or why and those kinds of things as well. So we have to take what we can get. I prefer weather forecasts, the economics forecast. The economics folks really don't seem to have any idea what's going on. And, you know, I say that as a guy with an economics degree. <laughs> no roller coasters unless everyone wants a little bit of my experience throwing up emoji. A little bit. A, a little bit of sharing. Sharing is caring, especially when you're throwing up together on a roller coaster. Am I right? Absolutely. Chrissy says it was actually fun, but by the third time, we were all ready to go on something else. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Absolutely. That would be too much for me. That's uh, I steal myself for a roller coaster. That's the fun of it. If I have to go around for a third time, I'll be like, nope, 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 nope. Gaming Forte, thank you so much for the super chat and for supporting the channel. Happy holidays, Hogue. Very happy not to be driving through 12 inches of snow this morning. With that, stay safe, everyone, and have a great holiday weekend. Yeah, I think that in places it has been better than the worst case scenario that has been predicted. So absolutely, Gaming Forte, stay safe out there. I'm glad you're not driving through 12 inches of snow. Generally speaking, our infrastructure can't handle that kind of snow, even in a place like Michigan. So I'm glad that you've got a little bit of a lighter road ahead. And thank you so much for the super chat. You have a happy holidays as well. Kelly C says, I prefer twisty roller coasters to high roller coasters. Dislike dragster. Love Raptor. After my own heart there. Raptor freaked me out when I was a kid. But yeah, dragster does nothing for me. I think they're closing dragster. 
but uh, Dragster, for those of you that don't know Cedar Point intimately, as we start talking about these various roller coasters, uh, Dragster is one of those that I was highlighting is one that I don't like, which is just launch, go high and fast, come back. And that's the whole roller coaster. It's just trying to see how fast you can go. Uh, and quickly, Raptor is or was the fanciest roller coaster of like the late 1990s. Uh, and uh, had the shoulder straps and puts you in corkscrews and things like that. Love Raptor, uh, but it used to scare the absolute crap out of me. So there you go. Little insight into my life in roller coaster land. Kelly confirms they are closing the dragster. Six Flags has a lot of fun roller coasters. Absolutely. We used to go to uh, Great America as well as Canada's Wonderland. I've been to Magic Mountain, um, Cedar Point, very similar kind of places, having a lot of fun. I'm always interested in how we get to these kinds of conversations, but I, I know this one is because I asked where people like to sit on roller coasters. So, all right, folks, let, let's talk a little substance here. I know it's casual Friday. Feel free to interject. I'll try to see it uh, if you do. Uh, but we got to talk about this story because a lot of people were losing their minds a little bit about this. And I want to say this as kind of a disclaimer on the front end. My first video in virtual legality, video number one, uh, was about getting refunds. Uh, a lot of the videos early on and continuing in that series on this channel are people earnestly asking me, hey, is this false advertising? Hey, can I get a refund for what they said about X, Y, or Z? And we've covered box labels and trailers and press conferences and E3 shows and references like this one that we're about to talk about. And almost always, I have to tell folks that that probably doesn't match the definition of false advertising because false advertising is pretty specific. False advertising requires a certain amount of falsity at its core. It has to be something that is misleading to a reasonable person. And in a lot of jurisdictions, and realistically, it should be all, so that's going to be imposed on most, there has to be an intent kind of concept, right? Human beings make mistakes. For the most part, there are some exceptions to this. We don't hold people liable for mistakes. Now, that exception is pretty broad. We, talk, we could talk about negligence. We could talk about not using reasonable care. Uh, but if you used reasonable care, if you're dealing with something that is industry standard and it just turns out to be wrong, as a for instance, then generally speaking, we're going to lean away from imposing liability on that as a society under our laws. That's a very, very broad overview. And you can think of a thousand exceptions to it. But overall, we don't want you to just have to be fearful of everything that you possibly do in business or otherwise. And so to some extent, people look at this and, and people in other jurisdictions say, well, the U.S. is lax on, on false advertising or consumer protections. And you might be right. You might have a better system where you live. But I'm going to talk about what happens here. And so the instance that we're going to talk about is actually a, a movie called Yesterday, which if you didn't see it, uh, is basically premised around the concept of somebody waking up and finding out that the Beatles never made their songs and essentially writing the Beatles songs to become famous in, I think it's an alternate universe. I haven't seen this movie, to be, to be clear. I've seen the trailer, and I've seen this trailer that we're going to talk about here, of Anna de Armas. This is Anna de Armas. She's an actress. Uh, you might recognize her from such things as Knives Out, whose sequel I think comes out today. I'm not rushing to the next Ryan Johnson joint, I, I have to tell you. Uh, but uh, Knives Out is, I think, where she really grew to popularity. She was also uh, the companion in Blade Runner 2049. And I'm sure there are other movies that I'm not thinking of that she has been in. She's been around uh, now. She's, she's a face. She's a notable face in Hollywood. And in this trailer to yesterday, she uh, appears. This is the shot from the trailer. 
this is just given to Universal, but it's the actual trailer uh, to the movie yesterday. This scene does not appear in the movie. And we covered this particular case because essentially two people that rented it, I want to sound like Amazon Prime, looked at the trailer and said, I was there just for Anna de Armas and she wasn't in the movie. And so I want my money back. But not just that I want my money back. I want you to certify a class action so that we can all sue Universal for lying to us about Anna de Armas's presence. Of course, which I responded to as only I can with anyone can sue anyone for everything. Right. And you hear me say this a lot in virtual legality, but it's the truth. People say, hey, can you be sued for that? Yep. You can be sued for anything in the United States. The question is, can you defeat it at an early stage? Can it be dismissed? You're going to have a motion to dismiss. You're going to have some other motions that are very much like a motion to dismiss for summary judgment or otherwise. And for the most part, you can get things kicked out if they are silly. Now, in this case, the main story here is that they sue about yesterday. Uh, it's early on this year, so it's take the better part of the year to get to this point. And the court in this question didn't kick it out, right? So it's it's not that the lawsuit put studios at risk because anybody could have brought this lawsuit. The only risk that's actually happening here is that U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson issued a ruling in the case, and that ruling did not immediately kick out the the, the lawsuit. Uh, and we're going to talk about why uh, as we go through this Variety article. We've also, because, you know, it's it's virtual legality, it's hangouts and headlines, it's a law channel, we've got the whole motion. Because reporters like to, like to do this thing where they interpret things for you, sometimes poorly, and then they tell you news that is often wrong. And so we're going to take a look just at what this thing is doing, so you don't have to take my word for it. And this is linked in the description of the video. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Variety's word for it. Don't take the next lawyers on YouTube's word for it. Sorry, whichever my colleagues winds up covering this as well. Probably Emily Baker. Uh, don't take any of our given words for it. Look at the source material. Triangulate. Look at various other places that are reporting on this. And don't, for the love of God, be IGN. All right? I, I like IGN. I like a lot of reporters at IGN. I work with reporters at IGN. But this is absolutely wrong. They found it was false advertising. Is wrong. Straight up wrong. Bad news, fake news, right? All of this is wrong. Uh, and so let's talk about what is right together in Casual Friday. Two Anna DeArmas fans filed a lawsuit in January alleging that they had rented the movie after seeing DeArmas in the trailer, only to discover that she was cut out of the final film. Universal sought to throw out the lawsuit, arguing that movie trailers are entitled to broad protection under the First Amendment. The studio's lawyers argued that a trailer is an artistic, expressive work that tells a three-minute story conveying the theme of the movie and should thus be considered non-commercial speech. Honestly, the reason this doesn't get kicked out is because Universal went crazy. So this claim is designed to allow them to do absolutely anything they want in a trailer. And we talked about it in this early video. I linked it when I was linking this on Twitter. Check this earlier video out for a more in-depth discussion of this lawsuit. We're going to talk about it a little bit more uh, 30,000 foot level for purposes of this conversation. Uh, but the overall thrust of this action cannot be defended by no, a trailer can never be false advertising. All right. And I think that's intuitively obvious to anyone. You don't have to have gone to law school to know that we can imagine a scenario call this the reductio ad absurdum kind of logic pathway. We can imagine a scenario 
in which somebody advertises a movie. Let's call it tomorrow because the current movie is yesterday. And tomorrow looks like it's going to be a banger of a superhero action joint. They got people flying around. There's a giant, oh, I don't know, octopus attacking an unknown city. The superheroes are hitting it with lasers and wind gusts. There's a blue light in the air, which you know means superhero movie. Uh, and you say, all right, that looks interesting. And then you go, you buy your ticket to this movie tomorrow. You sit down to watch tomorrow. And somehow between the trailer and you're sitting down to watch it, it has been replaced with a black and white accounting tutorial. And that tutorial goes on for two hours and 40 minutes. You get to the end and that's all that's there. It says it's called tomorrow. It's a black and white accounting tutorial. And all the accounting is wrong. Now, it doesn't matter if the accounting is great or not. We can imagine a scenario in which that is clearly false advertising, right? That it is so deceptive. It is so misleading. It is so wrongheaded that the studio needs to be held to account. And, and why do we hold them to account in these contexts? Because it is undoubtedly commercial speech. Universal and Disney or Disney-owned Fox or Disney-owned Marvel or Disney-owned Lucasfilm are not putting out trailers solely for the artistic expression of the thing. We just really wanted to explore what Ray's face looks like in the Millennium Falcon. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's just our artistic exploration. No, no. Trailers are commercials. Trailers can often be great. Trailers can be long form. Trailers are not traditional TV commercials, but they are commercial speech at their core. So Universal going in, rolling into court and saying, your honor, this whole action is out of order because you can't possibly find a trailer to be false advertising. <laughs> Was never, ever, 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 ever going to be a winner. Uh, and so what the court is going to find here as we scroll through this story is that, no, no, it can, it can be false advertising. Wilson rejected that argument, finding that a trailer is commercial speech and is subject to California's false advertising law and the state's unfair competition law. Now, Variety isn't doing anything wrong in reporting here but is subject to, is not, is. <laughs> okay, so this is a holding that is establishing a core standard. The lawsuit comes out, says, Your Honor, this is false advertising. Universal says it can't be false advertising because trailers are not commercial speech. They are the whims of artistry and expression. And the judge says, What? No, no, they can clearly be false advertising. And that's about as far as we've gotten in this court case. It is not a determination that it is false advertising. And we'll try to pick up some language in the actual legal determination that suggests the judge doesn't necessarily think that it is. But the court process goes through these different periods where they evaluate the strength of the two sides. At its core, when you try to get a case kicked out early on, the court is supposed to assume that everything the plaintiffs have brought is basically true. You're supposed to construe the complaint in the manner that is most in favor of the party that is not asking for the case to be dismissed. Hey, is there a world in which this could possibly be something that would seek redress? Yes. We can imagine that black and white accounting video. Is that what we're facing today? No. But as a core legal principle, we can't just kick this thing out as it's never, ever possible for that to happen. Universal is correct that trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion. Note, by the way, that so do commercials, right? Commercials don't just come from the commercial tree. They are creative acts. That's why we watched Mad Men for seven years. 
But this creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of a trailer. At its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing consumers with a preview of that movie, or at least knowledge of the movie's existence, right? Because one of the things Universal is going to fight is like, hey, trailers don't even necessarily have any footage from the movie. And that's true. I think we can all remember teaser trailers where you just kind of swoop around the logo. I think we all know that trailer music isn't necessarily in the movie. Honestly, if I were going to bring a complaint about trailers, it would be that trailers can often include really cool music, and that music is nowhere near as really cool when it's actually in the motion picture. So if we're going to bring these kinds of complaints, the floodgates would truly open, but they didn't just open yesterday. In their briefing on the issue, Universal's lawyers argued that movie trailers have long included clips that do not appear in the finished film. They cited Jurassic Park, another Universal film, which had a trailer comprised entirely of footage that is not in the movie. Now, that's a teaser trailer. And I would argue that you can actually make a distinction between a trailer that includes things that look like they're in the movie and things that are not and a trailer that doesn't look like it has anything to do with the movie, uh, right? That the Jurassic Park trailer, which is a famous one, is basically just going and looking at the amber and then looking at it under a microscope and finding the Jurassic Park logo. That is a commercial enterprise that is much more of a commercial than a trailer, uh, where a trailer really does have, I think in the public's eye, the notion that you're getting clips of the movie, at least as the work print exists at the time the trailer is made. And that's going to come up too. Universal also argued that classifying trailers as commercial speech could open the door to a parade of lawsuits from dissatisfied filmgoers who could make a subjective claim that the film did not live up to the expectations created by the trailer. And that's the nature of commercial behavior. But in general, you don't have a guarantee of how you will wind up feeling, especially about a creative piece of art, right? I obviously cover video games a lot here. I also cover movies and TV here on this channel. But it goes without saying, usually, but not in a court of law, that even if a trailer is only using clips from the movie, it can be creatively put in such a way that the trailer is a significantly better piece of art than the movie winds up being. A movie is a longer form kind of endeavor. It has more character beats, that kind of thing. And so trailers can often be better. In fact, there's an entire industry of making movies look better in trailer form than they actually are. And you get out of the movie and you say, oh, that wasn't as good as I thought. That does not a cognizable legal claim make. Say, huh, all right. Well, then what we'd have to talk about is misleading nature and falsity. And the court is going to say, okay, that, that's too far. That's not what we're even deciding today. Under plaintiff's reasoning, argues Universal, a trailer would be stripped of full First Amendment protection and subject to burdensome litigation anytime a viewer claimed to be disappointed with whether and how much of any person or scene they saw in the trailer was in the final film. With whether the movie fit into the kind of genre they claim to expect, or any of an unlimited number of disappointments a viewer could claim. Wilson sought to address that concern, saying that false advertising law applies only when a significant portion of reasonable consumers could be misled. So you're getting the standards here, and this is important. Variety's doing an okay job at this. Variety are not the ones in my crosshairs as angry about how this was reported. It tends to be more of the pop culture media that took this and said it was more important than it is. But Universal's argument here is trying to say it's a slippery slope. They're trying to say, well, if you allow this, if you allow us to be sued over this, then all these very bad things could happen. The court rightly looks at that and says, okay, but we can still imagine a scenario in which it's quantifiable enough that we can limit our decisions to that. In this particular case, the court says we've got a quantifiable situation right now. This is limited to representations as whether to an actress or scene is in the movie and nothing else. Right? The actual scenario in front of the court, and if you're familiar with U.S. jurisprudence, courts are only supposed to look at cases or controversies before them. 
the actual facts and circumstances of the case before this court is you've got a trailer with Anna de Armas in it. Anna de Armas isn't in the movie. That is a that is a on-off switch, yes-no type question. We can limit our thoughts in this court to that. Is that false advertising? Is it significant enough for a reasonable consumer to feel that they were misled and want their money back if they watch that movie and she's never in it? We can talk about that question, says the court. But that question, importantly, is not answered in this holding. I am not going to find that it was false advertising yet. Because honestly, I will sit back here and tell you, just like I said in the video that I originally published on this, I don't think this is very likely to win. Now, I'm sure Universal would have liked to get it kicked out at the motion to dismiss stage here. And I think they might have had a better chance if they didn't shoot for the fences of no trailers can possibly fall under California's false advertising laws. But California says it is unlawful for any person to make any statement in the sales of something which is untrue or misleading. You are trying to sell tickets to your movie, Universal. This is a silly argument. So you earned yourself a discovery phase. You earned yourself a longer stint in litigation by shooting for an argument that I think basically any judge would have ruled against for you. So you can shoot for those fences, but this is the nature of false advertising. Now, I will point out, as I did in that earlier video, that California and most jurisdictions are going to uh, apply a mens rea type requirement. Mens rea meaning state of mind, that you have to have a certain amount of intentionality here. It's unlawful for you to make an untrue or misleading statement, which is known or which by the exercise of reasonable care should be known to be untrue or misleading at the time that you make it, right? So we have a, a series of questions here, which says, all right, am I allowed to make this trailer featuring Anna de Armas? And that's going to turn on certain bits of discovery. Like, do we know Anna de Armas is actually going to be in the movie or not? Right? Anna de Armas, if she's in that work print, if she's going to be in the movie at the time we make that trailer, seems to me that at the time of making the trailer, you're okay. Now you have a secondary question there, which says, okay, now that you've attached it, now that you've made that trailer, do you have to police it for where you're selling it on digital landscapes, right? These people went and bought it on Amazon Prime, where they said this trailer was still up there after the movie was made available for purchase or rent, and they didn't get Anna Armas, even though that was the trailer that was associated with it. Do you have to police those sites? What obligation, what liability do you have on, a, on what is in a trailer after the movie gets finalized? And talking about what that intentionality is. Honestly, when you look at the claims that these people brought in this court case, they are trying to avoid the intentionality question all over the place. That's why count one in their lawsuit, and I do talk about this more completely in my earlier video, is an unfair competition law violation. This is the umbrella provision in California law. It's unfair. We, we throw ourselves on the equitable nature of the court judge so that you can find that this is unfair to us in some way. And then they hit false advertising, right? Then they hit false advertising, which does require that intentionality, which they mostly ignore. They put it in these ellipses. They don't really talk about it at the court. And then they start hitting the other equitable concepts. All right, it's unfair. It's unjust. It's a breach of implied warranties, which almost certainly don't apply to a trailer. Uh, it's a violation of Maryland's deceptive trade practices because of various places in which they live in the Maryland class here. We looked at that in the earlier video, but they, they always just have this very kind of broad uh, approach to this. Hey, we wanted to see Anna de Armas and it's somehow unfair to us that we didn't get to see her. And this is always, always, always going to come down to what the court determines is reasonable. 
What is a reasonable thing to think about this? Can Marvel advertise Infinity War with a charge that includes the Hulk and then take the Hulk out? Does it matter if Marvel knows that the Hulk isn't in that charge in Infinity War while they do that? Is there a commercial value to deception in this particular context, especially in a spoiler-weary culture? Is there a value to hiding the ball there? Would a reasonable person be offended or feel deceived that that particular ball was hidden in this concept? All of those questions remain unanswered. And I can tell you, in my experience, historically, this is going to go the way of the, of the studios, right? No court, no judge is going to want to take the false advertising statutes of Maryland and California and suggest that studios don't have at least a little bit of creativity of expression to go out with the best way they think to advertise their movies. But that same court is not going to remove the possibility that you could so deceive in a trailer that the reasonable person standard would apply. That black and white accounting tutorial, right? And you don't even have to go that far. We do reductio ad absurdum to show that there is a case, but you have some line somewhere between accounting tutorial and in all likelihood yesterday in Anna Armas, uh, and that line is going to be determined over the course of, of, of a long way. Now, I, I bet the studios are actually pretty angry at Universal for going and trying to swing for the fences there and getting this kind of holding because it doesn't help them. But it surely is not the court saying that the Anna de Armas instance is false advertising, which we're going to see immediately as we dive in to the actual decision of the court. But before we do, got to rest my voice, take a sip of tea a little bit. We got a super chat to grab. A very generous one or, or a couple of very generous super chats. So let me make sure I do grab those. Thank you so much for everybody participating, supporting the channel, having this conversation. Almost 500 of you in the chat right now, just before Christmas in a snowstorm. Thank you so much. If you do like this content, like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Nicholas says, happy heathen winter solstice celebration. I think my daughter is currently saying I owe Saturnalia to make you feel better, Nicholas. Good Yule, lots of food, good drinks, and a tolerant family. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season, including you, Nicholas. Uh, and I hope if you have to go anywhere that you get there safely. Uh, what else do we have here? Thank you so much for the super chat. No, I just saw one. I want to make sure we don't miss it. Lots of folks talking about the actual story as we go through it, which I always love to see. Uh, and then at some point, someday, I'm going to get better at starring these things as they go by, I promise. Heather Long with a very generous super chat. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate the support of the channel. Honestly, if they had just removed her from the trailer when the movie was done, it would have saved Universal a lot of trouble. They can advertise Hulk because Hulk was in the movie. Anna de Armas wasn't in the movie at all. It's a totally fair kind of statement, Heather. And perhaps this winds up being at least, if not the rule of law, because I really don't see Universal losing this case, a, a best practices kind of thing, right? You don't want to get dragged in. You don't want to make it past a motion to dismiss. Uh, and so one of the things you might do is you might have a cleanup crew. You might have a, a short form watch the trailers. They're, actually, they're they're only two or three minutes long and try to make sure it comports with our output. Uh, and if it doesn't, we can make tweaks or bare minimum, you flag for your retail partners uh, that they can't use these trailers, these specific trailers in connection with selling the movie. Uh, and so I do think it's worthy of discovery, I suppose, to see if like Universal is intentionally deceiving on these grounds. I doubt very much that they were. I don't think Anna de Armas is actually that much of a draw. I, I don't know that many actors are that much of a draw either. And you can see how Universal could be scared of this if you think about movies that have a, a certain deceptive quality. Let's go classic. 
right? Let's go look at Psycho, right? Which had what appeared to be the lead actress, popular at the time, as the star of this movie that dies in the first act. Spoilers for Psycho? <laughs> and whether or not that is fair to the audience. Now, I think a lot of the audience would be excited about that possibility. What does the future hold? Look at the trailers or advertisement for a movie this year called Barbarian, where the movie itself turns out to be something very different than the trailer suggests that it is. Is that allowed? Is that okay? Can they surprise you like that? I sure hope they can, because I like that sense of surprise. I think trailers give away too much as it is. Uh, and for the people that just watch the trailers, the other problem that you've got is that would a reasonable person understand Anna de Armas to be a significant factor in that movie? Would they go and read a review? This is a movie that's out for a long time when they rent it on Amazon Prime. Is there a responsibility of a good consumer to go and use the tools that are available to them to go evaluate these things for themselves. It's not just a vacuum. These aren't just robots or lemmings that pop in and can do what they will to figure out what their movie is. They can go and look at reviews. They can go and look at other documentation as well. So there's a whole host of questions here. But one thing I can assure you of is that this is not settled and it's not apocalyptic for the studios as it stands right now. No matter what you might have heard from video game websites or comic book websites or IGN or anywhere else, Midnight Dreary with a super chat. Happy holidays, Hogue family and everyone. Thank you, Midnight Dreary. Happy holidays to you. Absolutely. Greg Corbyn, finally I am late and Hogue got here first. It is an Xmas miracle. The Xmas stream is later. I think that the trailer may be fine, but if you have a few trailers in a movie poster, we enter false advertising. So it's a quantity thing to you. Okay. That, that can check out to me. Uh, and certainly I think the presence or not presence of a given person uh, is something worth talking about. Uh, I think even in the trailer context, and I recommend folks watch it, uh, it is not at all obvious that Anna de Armas is a major character in the movie. Obviously, she was easy to excise, so she wasn't. Uh, but in the trailer, I think she's in 15 seconds of two and a half minutes, something like that. And she's only on one set. She's only in one scene that you can tell from the trailer. Uh, so I think it would be a nice to have, but you know, who knows? Uh, you see Warner Brothers kind of dealing with that right now as they decide whether to keep Superman and Wonder Woman cameos in The Flash uh, and whether or not that writes checks for them that they can't cash uh, in future DC Universe movies as they strip it to its bones. Uh, but it is it is an interesting question. I'm not going to say that it isn't. I think there are circumstances absolutely where it could be false advertising. That's why Universal's argument was so silly. And that's why, well, they're still in litigation. All right, so let's let's take a look at what this thing is just so that we have a better understanding of it. It's 32 pages. We're not going through 32 pages, folks. It's casual Friday. It's not 32-page Friday, at least not for a couple hours yet. The current case presents a novel application of false advertising laws to movie trailers, a new, a new kind of concept. Plaintiffs were individuals who rented and watched the movie yesterday on Amazon. Plaintiffs alleged that before they rented the movie, they viewed the trailer, which contained a scene that ultimately never appeared in the movie. The scene featured the actress, Anna de Armas, and the Beatles song, Something. Plaintiffs further alleged that they watched the movie because they wanted to see de Armas and the scene in the movie, and Defendant Universal's use of the trailer to promote the movie constitutes false advertising. That's, that is the lawsuit here. From these allegations, plaintiffs bring two class actions alleging a blunderbuss of false advertising fraud and misrepresentation claims. Generally speaking, you don't want the court to describe your carefully crafted legal action as a blunderbuss of random legal theories. Here we are. I, I will tell you, we're not going to get to every bit of language here. I did go through a bunch of this. There are a number of areas in which it, it does sound to me from afar outside the room, 
that the judge has issues with this particular complaint, but that now is not the time to deal with those issues, right? This is an order granting and denying a special motion to strike. Universal tried to kill this deal, kill this litigation. Universal filed the instant joint motion to dismiss and motion to strike under the California anti-slap statute. So anti-slap is a very specific kind of law that says we can go and we can get cases kicked out even faster if they impact our First Amendment rights to speech. So this is a strategic litigation against public participation because we love acronyms here. It doesn't matter that that doesn't mean anything to anyone. And an anti-slap statute says we've got some certain procedural rules and protections for a lawsuit that is essentially mendacious to try to get you to stop speaking. Because otherwise, as we've talked about, the litigation procedure, the justice system is expensive uh, and could have a chilling effect on speech, even just out of the nature of it taking a while to get kicked out of court. So they say, this is our First Amendment right to speak. We're bringing it under the anti-slap statute. And the court is ultimately going to find against Universal on this stuff. Uh, plaintiffs uh, are here. They wanted to go see Anna de Armas. We'd have a discussion of what yesterday is. The dispute, plaintiffs claim to have watched the trailer on Amazon's internet movie streaming service, persuaded by the movie trailer. Plaintiffs rented the movie on Amazon, expecting the Armas to appear. We're disappointed to discover that the segment was not in the movie. They alleged they would not have rented the movie had they known that Anna de Armas would not appear in the actual movie. Again, you have to evaluate these things, right? It's 15 seconds in a trailer. Did you really decide to buy it just for that? And what does your the value of the movie yield if that scene is not in it? Don't know. Now, the real politics here is that if, if we look down into the future and somehow Universal loses this case, what you'll wind up with is disclaimers on trailers. You'll, you'll just wind up with a uh, work in progress, uh, might not represent final disposition of movie kind of box or disclaimer or something along those lines, much like you might see in TV commercials, right? All those stupid disclaimers that you see, you know, Cape does not actually allow you to fly. That's lawyers. That's potential litigation. That's plaintiff's class action counsel leading to this kind of thing. That's the honest to God, real politic here. So trailers aren't going anywhere. They would just get uglier for the rest of us. Uh, but they say that this is actually what happened. We really wanted to see Anna de Armas. And because we didn't get to see Anna de Armas, uh, we, were, we were intensely damaged by our $3 rental uh, at Amazon. So your mileage may vary as to whether you believe any of that. Based off of these allegations, plaintiffs bring a claim for unfair competition, false advertising, breach of implied warranty, et cetera, et cetera. Defendants brought this motion to dismiss. Uh, the legal standard, California is a statute designed to discourage strategic lawsuits against public participation. Uh, the Ninth Circuit has explained that slaps, lawsuits to stop somebody from talking, masquerade as ordinary lawsuits, but are brought to deter common citizens from exercising their political or legal rights or to punish them for doing so. You know, the, it's obvious on its face, right, that the, the commercial trailer for the Beatles movie is not a, a political or, or legal participation. It's, it's commercial speech. They go over the slap stuff. Applicability of the anti-slap motion before the court performs the anti-slap analysis, the court must clarify several aspects of the applicability of the statute. First, plaintiffs contend that Universal's anti-slap motion challenges the factual sufficiency of the pleadings and should be denied outright until discovery is permitted. But Universal doesn't do that. Second, plaintiffs argue that it's inapplicable because the trailer falls under commercial speech exception to the statute. The court disagrees, although the trailer is commercial speech. That section expressly provides that commercial speech exception does not apply to advertisement or some similar promotion of a motion picture. So you got to love California's anti-slap. So anti-slap is just the name of a type of statute 
that says we're going to give you some extra powers to avoid getting litigated out of talking. And there's an exception clearly in the California statute that says it doesn't apply to commercial speech because you're trying to sell something. And then because it's California, that there's an exception to the exception that says, all right, it doesn't apply to commercial speech, but it does apply to commercial speech if it's for the promotion and advertisement of a, of a movie. It's California, people. We're going to protect our folks. For the record, uh, this is a, a common thing uh, that happens in California statutes. You saw this with AB5 against gig workers. There are exceptions to the things that are important to California. This is not unique to California, by the way. I'm not calling them out. All state governments do this kind of thing. It is annoying every single time. Third, plaintiffs contend that the anti-slap motion should not be applied in federal court. Court disagrees. We can apply it as we will. Uh, and that the argument that they should not be applied, plaintiffs cite no case law, so I don't have to listen to you. Plaintiffs attempt to distinguish the cases that they didn't bring. Uh, accordingly, the anti-slap motion may apply to the present case. So court goes through all of this analysis. This is the job of a judge and says, okay, it applies. Everybody that was arguing about it not applying, they're out. Uh, so is this an act in furtherance of defendant's right to speech in connection with a public issue? Is it an act in furtherance of defendant's right to speech? Uh, defendant contends that their creation and dissemination of the trailer qualify as this because it's our free speech rights and is a protected expressive work. A defendant's creation release of yesterday is an exercise of free speech. Fantastic. Is it in connection with a public issue? Universal tries to say it is. First, Universal contends that the trailer is a statement concerning a person or entity in the public eye because it previews a story about what the world would be like if the Beatles, one of the most popular bands in history, did not record their music, but someone else did. I'm sorry, Universal. Did you just suggest that a multi-universal kind of thing is a statement on public policy in the real world somehow? Hmm. Second, Universal argues that the trailer is in connection with a public issue because there is a widespread public interest in the process of making movies and trailers. The, the case is a public issue. Your, your trailer is... All right. Finally, Universal asserts that the trailer is in connection with a public issue because the trailer features DeArmas, who is the subject of immense public interest. <laughs> Universal, wait, hold on. The, the plaintiffs are suggesting that Anna de Armas is famous enough that you used her for her fame, then didn't put her in her movie and convinced them to buy something without her in it based on that immense public interest. And then you're using it as a defense. Choices were made by Universal here. The Beatles and de Armas are figures in the public eye and the trailer advances public discourse regarding their notoriety. In terms of de Armas, plaintiffs contend that the trailer is a representation that de Armas will be in the movie and Darmus derives her notoriety from her acting career. Thus, the trailer furthers public discourse of Darmus by representing what her next role is. Finally, the creation and dissemination of yesterday is a matter of public interest itself, as demonstrated by user reviews. Okay. Step two, failure to state a claim. Accordingly, the court finds the trailer is in connection with an issue of public interest. This is silly. So those actually worked from both the plaintiffs and the universal. That's enough for a statement on public interest. No. I probably would have kicked out the slap stuff on that. It's a movie. It's a movie about a, a true fiction. It's a true fantasy movie. Failure to state a claim having established that the trailer is an act of further, furtherance of the right of free speech in connection with an issue of public interest. You go to them. Step two, have plaintiffs established a likelihood of success on their claims. All right. So to address whether or not we should just kick this thing out, now we look kind of in advance without discovery as to whether or not these two guys can actually win this case. Despite the myriad of claims that plaintiffs assert, at the center of this case is the issue of whether Universal made some actionable misrepresentation of the movie by including a scene in the trailer that ultimately did not appear in that movie. 
And then they got a bunch of string sites here. Accordingly, Universal's primary argument is that there is no actionable misrepresentation. Though distinct causes of action, all the crap they put in their lawsuit are basically the same and all rely upon a reasonable consumer standard. Under the reasonable consumer standard, a plaintiff must show the alleged misrepresentation is likely to deceive the consumer. As the California courts have said, likely to deceive implies more than a mere possibility that the advertisement might conceivably be misunderstood by some few consumers viewing it in an unreasonable manner. Rather, the phrase indicates that the ad is such that it is a probable that a significant portion of the general consuming public or of targeted consumers acting reasonably in the circumstances could be misled. This is what's going to win Universal the case because anybody looking at this particular scenario says, really, dude? And to the extent that you say, really, dude, as a part of this, then you're operating outside of the reasonable consumer standard. Now, those standards can shift. The law is hung on the word reasonable in almost every statute in every jurisdiction in the country. And reasonable can change, right? There's a certain belief that I have, that I suspect a number of you have, that you watch a trailer and you say, yeah, that music's not necessarily going to be in the movie. And that scene might be a little bit different. The example I use a lot, I think I probably used it in the video that I did on this was, uh, I really liked Benedict Cumberbatch's reading of a specific line in the No Way Home trailer for Spider-Man, and they changed that reading for the movie. Was I damaged? Yes, I suppose at the micron, infinitesimally small level, I would have preferred to have seen the trailer line reading in the movie. Uh, did that reduce the value of the ticket to zero? No. The reasonable consumer is the ordinary consumer acting reasonably under the circumstances, unless the advertisement is targeted to a particular group, and then it's of that consumer. While determining whether a practice is deceptive will usually be a question of fact, so I have to go through the whole process, a plaintiff must still present sufficient allegations to assert a plausible claim. So understand that's the standard here, right? The court is looking at this as, is this possible? Is this possible? That doesn't give you the win. It's just, is it possible that you could plausibly win this? Plaintiff's burden is to plausibly allege that a significant portion of the general populace could be misled. Universal's first argument is that the trailer made no misrepresentation because it made no factual representation that Armis or the segment itself would be in the movie. To the extent that Universal contends that an affirmative misrepresentation requires an explicit misrepresentation, the court finds this view too narrow. You don't have to have a sign that says we promise this is in the movie. Even an applied assertion may be sufficient to deceive a reasonable consumer. Again, right? That accounting tutorial. We can imagine a scenario in which a trailer is 100% false advertising. Universal relies on a variety of cases to contend that the alleged misrepresentation is too vague or generalized to be actionable, but the court finds that all those cases can be distinguished. By contrast, the present alleged misrepresentation is more concrete than those cases. Plaintiffs allege that Universal made a representation that the segment, and specifically Anna Darmus, would be in the movie. In other words, plaintiffs are alleging that Universal made a factual representation that this scene, this actress, would be in the movie. While not expressed, the court finds that under the circumstances, this representation could be viewed as a specific claim. It is possible. We're evaluating plausibility here, everybody. And so it's plausible. Second, Universal contends that it is implausible that a consumer would be misled because plaintiff's interpretation of the trailer is unreasonable. Universal contends that plaintiff's interpretation is implausible because one, the trailer didn't have those explicit statements. The court's already kicked that out, so we know that's not a winner for Universal. Two, Darmus only appeared for 15 seconds in the trailer and uttered no speaking lines. She doesn't speak in the trailer. And three, judicially noticed facts demonstrate some trailers include scenes that do not appear in the final movie. Judicial notice 
is that the court can say, yep, that's true. You don't need to submit separate evidence. The court itself can say, hey, we are a citizen of the world and we know some of these things to be true. Additionally, Universal contends that plaintiffs' allegations that they have never seen a movie trailer that featured an actor or actress that does not appear in the film being advertised and plaintiffs' inclusion of internet posters claiming they expected to see in the movie are insufficient to establish a probability that a significant portion of the general consuming public could be misled. This is them litigating the case, right? And that's where Universal, again, gets kind of stuck, is that we're not litigating the case right now. The court does say, however, this is a close question. We're, we're not sure whether or not these people are reasonable. We don't have to judge that today. And in fact, while we are looking at this particular motion to strike and dismiss, we're supposed to really see things as, as best and as positively as possible towards the plaintiffs. Universal's arguments do not bring plaintiffs' claims outside the realm of plausibility. Folks, IGN told you that the court found it to be false advertising. The court said it's not impossible if we squint and really stretch our eyes. It's... Uh, courts don't like to just kick out possible lawsuits. And so they say, uh, it's not outside the realm of plausibility. Quite the ringing endorsement from this court, right? Here, plaintiffs allege several facts to support their argument that a significant portion of reasonable consumers could be led to believe that Darmus in the segment would be in the movie. As a starting point, plaintiffs allege that movie trailers are understood by movie viewers to convey what actors will appear in the advertised film. Note, it's not all of the subjective stuff that Universal has said, that it is a quantifiable metric. This person will be in this film when they appear in the trailer. Additionally, plaintiffs allege that Darmus is a famous actress who has starred in several other movies and has a substantial social media following. While Darmus only appeared in the trailer for 15 seconds, it is plausible that a consumer could interpret Darmus's appearance as more than de minimis, which the court misspelled. In the scene that Diarmas appears in, she is sung to by a main character, is the only person in view for several seconds, and embraces the main character. Could be a big deal. These are plausible, says the court. Now, the court isn't making determinations of fact. Is Diarmas famous when the Yesterday trailer actually is made, when it comes out? You can argue that. She, you could argue that she doesn't really get famous until Knives Out. You can have these kinds of conversations, but that's part of the actual trial. That isn't at the point where you're going to dismiss the case. Trailer further shows that the main love interest in the movie sees this embrace and becomes visibly upset by it. So one could imagine that she's going to be a love triangle type person. As Universal recognizes in its supplemental brief, the scene conveys a key part of the overall story arc in the trailer, the protagonist's meteoric rise to fame and how it undoes the life he knew. I haven't seen this movie, but it sounds like every music movie ever made. Defendant supplemental brief. These facts suggest that DeArmas could be viewed as more than a fleeting background extra and as a character that viewers would expect to see in the movie. Finally, although weak evidence, this court is just totally on board this plaintiff's case, plaintiff's inclusion of additional comments by consumers stating that they expected to see the segment into Armas in the movie asserts the plausibility of plaintiff's claims. Now, unfortunately, you can get any given 20 people on the internet to say anything. You can find them saying that anywhere. That's how the internet works. Plaintiffs include an additional allegation that Universal explicitly misrepresented that Armas was in the trailer because the streaming service Voodoo listed Diarmas as a cast member. Hmm, that's interesting. The court does not consider this allegation in its analysis. To the extent that plaintiffs argue that the listing is an explicit misrepresentation, plaintiffs do not have standing to challenge it because they didn't buy it on Voodoo. There you go. That is at least really interesting. Uh, and then you'd get into discoveries like, what does Voodoo make those determinations on its own? Does Diarmas appear in the credits of the movie? Presumably if she did, that would... That would be something that they would have referenced. So is, is Voodoo making this choice? What does that even look like? That's a wonderful footnote. Sometimes you get the best stuff in the footnotes. 
In sum, given the allegations that viewers of movie trailers expect to see the featured actors in the movie, that Darmus was famous, that she was in the trailer, and that plaintiffs and others expected to see her, the court cannot say as a matter of law, which is all we're talking about right now, that plaintiff's misrepresentation claims are implausible. So the court, even though it says, oh, this is a little weak, I have to squint my eyes at this, I can't just kick it out as a matter of law because they've got something I could see potentially being a case someday. I want to grab this super chat from Britt because it's super generous. I really appreciate it, Britt. Thank you so much. To be clear, some trailers are cut before final cut of the film, so I'm fine with those. After the final cut, if you're still using those actors in trailers, that is different. Also, again, the movie poster should not have unused actors. I agree on movie posters. Uh, the question then becomes, do you have an obligation to take down or clip or remove uh, trailers at a certain point in time? Or uh, is there an acknowledgement that if it's legitimate at that time and it's a work print that we get to a reasonable standard that says we know movies change. We hear stories about Rise of Skywalker being re-edited like three days before it's released in a movie theater. So it's no possibility that any of the given trailers could be matched up entirely with what the movie is going to be. Is that something that a reasonable consumer should simply know about this process? And if they don't know it, is there a, a usefulness to an education around that? Or in the opposite direction, should we just assume that you it's on the studios, that the studios should have liability for, for faking people out this way? Honestly, I think it's more of a policy question than anything else. Uh, so it's the kind of thing that I would expect legislatures to handle better than courts. Uh, but you know, legislatures don't always do things uh, that they probably should to address these kinds of issues. So I really appreciate it, Britt. Thank you for the super chat. You guys can see the tone this is getting. We're going to continue on with this. But the court isn't convinced. The nature of the thing here is that what we're looking at is a preliminary kind of motion. Kick this thing out. We shouldn't even have to talk about this. And the court basically says, no, I'm, and I'm skipping the damages stuff because this is how the unfair competition laws work and umbrella stuff and false advertising. And I, I want to make sure that we just get to some of the conclusions here because a lot of this is interesting for me, maybe not so interesting for you. Uh, they've got challenges to all of this various stuff. Some of it gets kicked out by the court. Some of it doesn't. But what's most important, what made the headline item here is that uh, it is possible that this stuff could be, uh, could be false advertising. We get to the First Amendment defense. Universal's final argument relies on the First Amendment to contend that application of consumer protection laws to the trailer is a violation of that amendment. The court ordered supplemental briefings on this argument. All right, we're going to go full constitutional. Hit me with some full constitutional. Here, plaintiffs have sufficiently alleged the trailer contains a misrepresentation, that it is false. Thus, the central question is whether the trailer constitutes commercial speech. Universal argues that the trailer is a creative, expressive work because it bears all the hallmarks of non-commercial speech. It is an audiovisual work that uses images, music, and dialogue to express a story, including the themes and story arc that are contained in the full-length motion picture. Again, I, it's very difficult to separate some of the more story-based commercials from that description. As an initial matter, the court disagrees that an advertisement being an audiovisual work that uses images, music, and dialogue to express a story converts an advertisement into non-commercial work. This is the court being uh, sardonic, right? It's like, uh, so as, as a preliminary concern, uh, advertisements can, can do all those things. If it were the case that Universal were to win on this point, almost any commercial for a product that chooses to entice consumers by telling a story would be considered non-commercial. Uh, so this clearly isn't going to fly, Universal. Universal is correct that trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion, but this creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of the trailer. At its core... A trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing consumers with a preview of that movie, potentially a preview, potentially just acknowledgement that it exists, 
It, it depends. And all of this applies to video games or TV, if you prefer to think of it, uh, on that score. The court also finds uh, the cases that were brought to it distinguishable and finds that the trailer constitutes commercial speech. First, plaintiffs plausibly plead that the trailer is an advertisement for the movie. Uh, yes, they most certainly do. Second, the trailer refers to a specific product, the, the movie. It, it's not just a trailer without a, a name, probably a release date, telling you to go go see the movie. It's pretty pretty self-evidently commercial. Finally, plaintiffs allege sufficient facts to show Universal had an adequate economic motivation so that the economic benefit was the primary purpose for speaking. Universal, did you make this trailer out of the goodness of your own heart? Are you trying to sell tickets to a movie? Oh, you're trying to sell tickets to a movie. Okay. In response, Universal contends that plaintiffs cannot plausibly allege that the primary reason the segment was included in the yesterday trailer was for economic as opposed to artistic reasons. The court disagrees. Universal's frame of reference is too narrow. The commercial speech in question is not the segment, but the trailer. <laughs> Viewed in this light, it is a reasonable inference that the trailer as a whole was made for the purpose of selling tickets, copies, and rentals of the movie. Thus, the court finds the plaintiffs have plausibly pled that the trailer of it, uh, that the trailer is commercial speech. But the application of these factors does not end the court's inquiry. Commercial speech can lose its commercial character when it is inextricably intertwined with fully protected speech. The inextricably intertwined test operates as a narrow exception to the general principle that speech meeting the other factors uh, that I have skipped for the most part uh, will be treated as commercial speech if no law of man or of nature makes it impossible to present the non-commercial aspects of the speech without the commercial aspects, then the non-commercial speech is not inextricably intertwined with the commercial speech. Well, that's a high standard. Here, Universal contends that even if the trailer is commercial speech, it is inextricably intertwined with protected First Amendment speech. Universal contends that the segment is inextricably intertwined with the movie itself and the rest of the trailer. Probably not inextricably intertwined with the movie itself if you were able to cut it out of its running time. The court disagrees. At a minimum... There must be some non-commercial speech that is intertwined with the commercial speech to be eligible for this exception. As the court's commercial speech analysis demonstrates, the relevant frame of reference is not the individual segments, but the whole trailer. The fact that the segment's commercial speech is inextricably intertwined with the rest of the trailer, commercial speech, does not result in the conclusion that commercial and non-commercial speech are inextricably intertwined. Moreover, the fact that the trailer uses scenes from the movie does not alter this conclusion. While the scenes from the movie would be non-commercial expressive speech when used as a part of the movie, when these scenes are used in the context of the trailer, they become commercial speech. You can't just take a ostensibly non-commercial piece of art, even though you're selling access to it, but it's a non-commercial piece of art, put it into a commercial and say it's still non-commercial in the commercial context. Can't do it. Uh, then they talk about a few, uh, a few cases here, and then we get to the conclusion. So they get, they get granted motion to dismiss on the express and implied warranties, which we said those were those were dead in the earlier video. You're not going to get injunctive relief. You're not going to pull the movie down. You're not going to do those kinds of things. You, you can't bring the CLRA claim. And the, we are going to talk about the FAL, the UCL, and the unjust enrichment claim. So we're going to talk about the false advertising. We're going to talk about the unfair competition. We're going to talk about the unjust enrichment. That is what survived. That does not mean that we have found it is false advertising or unfair or unjust. That's the nature of this thing. That is the state of play. Yes, the studios, Variety is, of course, an industry kind of outlet. Yes, the studios are looking at this with some attention to see where it goes. But in all honesty, with the arguments that Universal was bringing in this context, I don't think the court had any choice but to say, yep, we're going to go forward with discovery here, even though I still think that it is almost certainly a sure loser on this particular score. They'll be following it. And if we have to update it again, because as it turns out, these plaintiffs win certification and, and ultimately win their action, we will cover it here. Uh, but as it stands right now, this is a step 
past where the studios would like it to be, but it is sure as heck not a statement that the trailer itself was false advertising or that any trailer in video games or movies or television or for books, for Pete's sake, are false advertising at this point. All it realistically stands for is the notion that a trailer could be false advertising, which if you've been paying attention to virtual reality or this channel or other places, you would have known for the whole time to be the truth of the matter asserted. All right, folks, that's the story. I wanted to cover it because I do always feel called to correct things that are so egregiously wrong that I see people asking me about. And I did get a ton of messages about this one. And I had responded to the first dozen or so by saying, I don't think it's that big of a deal, uh, but I might still do a video. And then by the time IGN comes out with that, it's like, I gotta, I gotta correct that. I gotta correct that. Claude Simeon with a super chat. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. I just toasted an everything bagel and was not absorbed into the void. Can I sue the Daniels for false advertising in everything, everywhere, all at once? Hmm. It's possible. It's possible. What's interesting about that, though, is like I, we want to dismiss it out of hand, right? And that's because everything, everywhere, all at once is a clear fantasy. Doesn't have much to say specifically about anything. Certainly the trailer for it wouldn't. Uh, but it is a clear fantasy. And that clear fantasy, uh, nonetheless, on the yesterday standard, might still be able to get past a motion to dismiss right now. Don't know. Probably not on the bagels. Probably don't have to believe the plot elements are true. Uh, but if it turned out that somebody that was advertised in that trailer didn't make it into the movie, that something got cut, yeah, you start to get worried a little bit if your studio's down. But we're, we're well aware from that. And I, I think that, end of the day, uh, the, uh, the studio is going to win this, but they sure aren't covering themselves in glory with the arguments they brought at the motion to dismiss stage. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, you can bet that the studios are worried, uh, but it's just before 9 a.m. here. Uh, in the Eastern time zone, we're going to get some things done uh, at the firm. Uh, and then we are going to be back online at 11 a.m. So just a little bit more than two hours from now, talking everything Microsoft Times Activision. So if you're interested in that deal, we're going to do a big catch up. We've got responses for days. Uh, we're going to have fun. I'm going to have more tea. Uh, and we will definitely see you then if you're at all interested in that. For everybody else who isn't going to come to that video have a fantastic holiday weekend. Stay safe traveling. Thank you so much for all the super chats, all the people that are sharing these kinds of things, all the folks that are telling people that we're having these conversations here. Every single little bit helps. I'm so appreciative of that. And I could not be more thankful to have this space, to have these kinds of conversations about things as silly as Anna de Armas and Beatles fantasy movies. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to have this space. Uh, it's been a great year. And I hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend. Leave a like on the way out if you like this content. Leave it on unlike if you just think I'm a ridiculous person who deserves a downvote. I'm happy with either one because I'm in a good mood and I'm ready for a Christmas season. Thank you so much, everybody, for dropping in. I hope this was illuminating. I hope this was enlightening. Go correct people online. <laughs> and have a great day. I'll see you very, very soon indeed.